0: The Jung Anthology Podcast from the C.G. Jung Institute of Chicago. Healing Cinema The Lives of Others. In this episode, Jungian analysts Judith Cooper and Daniel Ross discuss Florian Heckel von Donnersmarck's 2006 film, The Lives of Others. Uh, sorry, it's been over three weeks since our last episode. Um, We're trying to stick to the two-week schedule, but I've just been really busy. Um, We're going to jump right in, but I just want to say you can support this free podcast by becoming a member of of the Institute, making a purchase in our online store, or making a donation to the Institute. Oh, also, spoiler warning, they definitely talk about how the movie resolves, so if you have not seen it and you do want to see it before listening to the episode, go ahead and uh, do that. That being said, let's jump right
1: in. This film, oh. Lives of Others 2006, won the Academy Award in 2007 for
2: Best foreign Film. I saw that, and I yeah. think, uh, um, uh, we, um, uh, the um, what's his name, Weasler, the uh actor who played him won also didn't he did you see i'm that? not
1: sure I, I don't know i didn't i didn't come across that I, I i think he did actually now dan that you're saying it he oh, what an actor what an actor i mean I superb. brilliant,
2: brilliant. Superb. Uh,
1: of course the screenplay isn't bad either but wow yeah and the director writer has that very florid name <laughs> <laughs> Gold von Donnersmark.
2: Very good. It's I a was mouthful. Hoping, I was hoping you would be able to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> I'm very impressed. And apparently that's his debut film. Yes, yes. Uh, quite remarkable. Yes. I love this film.
1: Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, each
2: time I watch it, uh, I, I get something else out of it.
1: Yes. Yep. Like a fine bottle of wine or a piece of classical music.
2: Yeah, and I was just reading something uh, Murray Stein had written, just about stories in general and the the, the good stories. And we play this to film. Uh, they keep they keep around because they they have something to bear, something yes. new to bear uh, over and over again, right?
1: It's the gift that keeps on giving in the best sense.
2: Yes, that's right. Okay, this is our Wikipedia summary. Um, in 1983, East Berlin dedicated Stasi officer Gerd Wiesler, uh, played by Ulrich Mu, uh, doubting that a famous playwright, Sebastian Cook, is loyal to the Communist Party, receives approval to spy on the man and his actress lover, Christa Maria, uh, played by Martina Gedick, Weasler becomes unexpectedly sympathetic to the couple, then faces conflicting loyalties when his superior takes a liking to Krista Maria and orders Wiesler to get the playwright out of the way.
1: Okay, that that, we, that starts us off. I mean, you know, it doesn't...
2: It's, it's a yeah. start. It really doesn't get too long.
1: No, no, and actually, they get that a little bit wrong. I think he doesn't gain approval; he actually volunteers. He, he does. He and so, because that's already he's hooked
0: mm-hmm. by the
1: playwright. First meet, first meeting, right?
2: First meeting,
1: yeah. He he sees him as shadow first. At first, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. says uh, that enemies of the state are arrogant, and he sees this artist as arrogant.
2: Yes. Yes. And that's when he first sees him at the play. Right. Right. When he's, when he's watching the play and then watching him. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, he's got this laser focus on him, constantly looking at him through his binoculars. We should say though, I think that this uh, takes place in East Germany before the wall falls mm-hmm. and um the film opens up with some data that's very important. This is the socialist state, the Democrat, uh, German Democratic Republic um, created after the war and um, Hitler's defeat. And uh, the words are in the intro, it opens up with um, the Stasi, like you said, uh, the secret police, they employ 100,000 100, people to control.
2: Yeah. People
1: and not only that, 200,000 informers. And I think importantly, the declared goal this is the intro, you know, on the Mm -hmm. screen. Mm -hmm. uh, The declared goal of the state is to know everything.
2: Mm. (laughs) Right away, Mm. we've got a major inflation here, right? Yes, yes. To know everything. And you know what, Dick, it sparked to me. Was uh, the dark eros, uh, the sadian, uh, the sadian uh, consciousness, as Thomas Moore talks about that? That sadian consciousness is around knowing everything, knowing mm. something inside and out, and that in itself is um, dark. Its darkness comes from its penetra- penetration, its needing to know and needing to know uh, to, to, that destroys that which you need to know, right? Or, uh, or cuts it, or, or you know, um, uh, you know he, he talks about the archetype of the uh, Sadian in contrast with the innocent, uh, wow. the, the naive. And um, I think those, those are the polarities or two of the polarities that are, that are going on here. If we look at the state and its need to know and this construction is this, as you described, thousands and thousands of, of people that just have to know everything that's going on in people's lives mm-hmm. uh, has, a, has a sadistic quality to it. It doesn't? does.
1: It does. It's like uncontrolled, uncontained power. Yes. And of course, you're bringing in innocence is right on because Christa Marie is an embodiment of innocence. She's like a Persephone she is. Uh, that gets abducted, really abducted and pulled into the underworld. She does. I, uh, the minister that tries to uh, have
2: a technical
1: Minister Hemph, right.
2: Yeah. Wow, yeah, but you know the other innocence here, which is, each time I saw this, this, um, oh, this, this bond, between um uh draymond the playwright Mm -hmm. and Mm weasler the stasi uh captain um are um there's there's some type of bond going on there right i think you you told you suggested that uh weasler was in love with draymond right that there was a love absolutely there and uh and then Weasler or uh, Draymond eventually finds out uh, by the end of the film uh, who this who this guy was that was protecting right. him right. all this time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but but Draymond is naive. Yeah,
1: they're all, they're actually. Really? I, I would agree. They're all naive. They all yeah. undergo except maybe Christopher Marie. They all un- they chose both the main two men characters. Undergo a disillusionment Change. process yes. throughout the film. That that's yes. what's operating. That's what's driving the narrative, the, yes. the whole disillusionment of their innocence and naivete.
2: Isn't it beautiful? It is. You know, when yes. I asked, you know, I was going with Beebe's. Uh, Jan Beebe said, uh, "You can look at a film and and see it as one one person's uh, mm-hmm. c- constellation of complexes, right? And each mm-hmm. character." plays a different portion, a different complex. Um, but here we have a dual protagonist, really, because it's it's we, we not only Weasler, we, you can look at the film from that point of view, but also Draymond, and there's a duality in their personalities, because I think you're right, they're each changed by the other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. In fact, right. that scene that, that we talked about, where cine, uh, uh, cinematically, um, first the first scene is when she gets out of um, the minister's car after he rapes her, essentially, and then uh, as she's walking into the house, Draymond had seen her and then steps to the side so that she can't, that he can't. Uh, she can't see him, and uh-huh. she walks up the stairs to, to the apartment. Uh-huh. Then in a parallel scene is when Weasler uh, sneaks into the apartment, having found out where the um, uh, typewriter is, to take the typewriter so it can't be discovered. And then he too is standing in that same spot, right, yes. when when Draymond uh, walks in. Yes. Which, you know, is a very clever way of of bringing these two characters connecting into them. the same, connecting them and mm-hmm. uh, share a sharing of consciousness, right?
1: Absolutely, yes. There's another scene where that shows up too, where he uh, Weasler is up in his perch in the attic, survey surveilling them, listen, eaves, eavesdropping, and he hears them uh, making love. And next scene is we see him, Weasler in his chair up in the attic, and he's curled up in the, sleeping, uh, had dozed off up there, Mm. but in the same position as as the couple making love that he imagines that the the, the screen actually, the camera actually shows the couple in that curled up position. He's curled up alone on his chair. It's a beautiful, tender, poignant scene. So there is this kind of shadowing uh, or 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 rep- repetition of repetition bod- embodied in the, the body in space yeah
2: yeah yeah that no, and, and and it's very very powerful because it's uh, there's no narrative it's just it's transposing one image onto the other which then connects the image uh, in, in consciousness and then connects the characters uh, in, it's almost as if, You can feel Weisler taking on this new uh, awareness, this new consciousness, this er this eros, uh, just by the use of transposing these images.
1: Yes, it it, it, you know it it, uh, mirrors mirrors Jung's idea of the kinjunctio, the psychological union of opposites that the interpersonal connection with someone can trigger, like within the analyst in, in analysis, mm-hmm. can trigger an intra-psychic union. It actually yeah, yeah. promotes the change and, and yeah. growth. And that's what we watch Weasler go, well, all the characters go through, except of course the woman is sacrificed at the end. <laughs> she, uh, spoiler alert, um, she dies in the end.
2: Very tragic. She is. Which which makes her um, not a, a a person, but a well a um, yeah. anima, uh, yes character, anima figure without um, without the dimensionality that some of the other characters have. I would challenge you that as I think about these characters, the only two characters that really change are mm. the are the two men, the Weisler and, and Draymond. I think the other ones. Um, are there uh, archetypally, mm. and, and they—they're not uh, really full-blooded uh, people that are m- meant to show change. Um, yeah, you know, I, tell me if. Yeah, I would I agree mean? with
1: that. She could die because she was uh, internalized yeah. by spe- specifically Weisler. I think Draymond yeah. was more evolved that's mm-hmm. the beauty of this character wiesler i in subsequent watchings i realized that it's as if he goes from no anima development he's mm-hmm. got, he has no relationships with women except for the prostitute seen right. with the prostitute up through young stages of anima development through yeah. eve the body helen the erotic object Mary, the compassionate witnesser, to almost the wisdom, the highest level, and even, I would argue, an anima mundi, where he's incorporated the soul of the world, given how he is acting in the world, so she can, she can leave the stage, so to speak, through Mm. death, because he has internalized all of, all of that development, like, like, Within, like, a space of uh, you know, however, what the whatever time frame is going on in the movie, it's not very long, right, right. uh, but we watch that incredible uh development. It's just like yeah. he was ready to be changed, yes, by that in in uh engagement with the feminine,
2: yeah, but well, it's mm-hmm. beautifully put, um, and that this relation that was the idea of. Jung's concept the anima, right It connected us to the unconscious um, mediated for us and uh, and the unconscious bear bore the or bears the opportunity for change mm-hmm. And he plays that out.
1: yeah, beautifully. I mean the introverted feeling you just connect with how he's so it's so internal and when the one tear, Falls on down mm. his face when he, when um, Dreiman plays these, the, the music sonata, sonata yeah. for a good man. It's a, it's, it's devastating. You, you, you feel right along with him. And I think what I realized too, not just the anima development of Weasler, but the anima as a female viewer, mm-hmm. I could, I could appreciate the. The animus development in me. Mm -hmm. Now, let's Mm -hmm. just say for our listening audience, the the, um, conscious sexual other, the anima animus that Jung developed theories around as a construct, as a psychological construct, was, again, the the opposite sex is in, uh, so the man has a feminine inside, the anima, Jung says, and the woman has a male part of her called the animus. Mm-hmm. And as a female viewer, I could feel held by watching my animus and in in projected onto Weasler change from kind of a tyrannical figure um, full of power to a very tender feeling man,
2: yes.
1: which affected me in terms mm. of my own animus development. So very mm. powerful film in that regard.
2: Mm that is beautiful. You know, I, it, there is a sense that the, 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 and we, I think we talked about this uh, for me, um, that, uh, Krista, you know, and the name, of course, conjures up Christ mm. Christ as, as, uh, the redeemer, right. She is the, she is the one mm-hmm. sacrificed that the relationship, um, if, if we see it as Draymond's, um, Innocence and his and and his perhaps his uh, uh, his idealism and perhaps his um, and his naive idealism, Mm -hmm. uh, which which creates a one-sidedness that in him had to die off. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the whole film seems to revolve around for me the the image of the good man, which comes up um, often in the dialogue. Does. Uh, I think that that inspires um Weasler as it inspired um uh, the, the other men in the in the story. Um the image of the good man, you know, the, the beginning play, um mm-hmm. when I when I go back and just it's very the brief scene mm-hmm. that's there, I, I don't know what the rest of the play is about, but if you just right. look at that scene, uh she says Arthur is dead. Mm-hmm. And I took that, and if I looked up the etymology of Arthur. It means um, warrior king. Oh. And if we take that as um, the the death of the patriarchy, the patriarchy oh. that uh, that inspired um, uh, Odysseus or the Odyssey that inspired the Aeneid, the you know the uh, um, all the all of the culture and uh, literature around the father and how that uh, evolved through cultures in, in different times. Um, and then the collapse of that at some point, mm-hmm. the, you know, whenever you want to say that that has happened here, we have uh, a construction of a, uh, a dictatorship a um, that is not the patriarchy that we knew of ancient times. It's a, it's not the father image of the good man. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, it it becomes a a substitute um, and simply a, a, um, simply an abuse of power Mm -hmm. uh, as evidenced by the, that type of government and the Stasi and the use of the Stasi as, does that, does that make sense? It does. does, does. You're right. Weasler carries all of this Um, and this movement from, he too was, I think, uh, stuck in this imagining that the father is, is made up of, um, the the sword and the shield, which was the image of the the Stasi, right? That they were Uh to be the sword and the shield, which conjures up the old patriarchy in terms of the father images being protective and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's been distorted. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, Weisler discovers the distortion and the abuse and in his um, observing these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: They um, yeah. Uh, the, the references to good and bad are all through the film. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. They, um, the the sonata, the music sonata for a good man, the um, the the bar scene, uh, <laughs> the encounter in the bar between Weisler and Krista, mm-hmm. uh, where he tries to convince her to um, to not go meet the minister in their sexual uh, uh, rendezvous uh he he talks to her and and she tells him you are a good man and then yeah, the man. little boy in the elevator yeah, where man. um he's beginning to change we, uh weasler is beginning to as uh Grubitz says to him his superior whose side are you on he's beginning yeah. to go to the other side uh mm-hmm. and the and the uh little boy says uh are you are you a member of the stasi uh and uh um, he looks down at the boy and says, "Do you even know what they are?" And the little boy says, "Well, my father says they they put bad men in prison."
2: Um, the 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 what the moral? No, no. And it's interesting. He says they um, that, that they're bad men that put. Uh, I th- I don't know if he says good men in prison, but no, the statues bad, bad men that put men in prison. Right? Yes,
1: yes, yes. Bad. Yes, right. Yeah. Bad men in prison. So it, yeah, the, the, the what's morally right and ethically right is all yeah. through this film. Yeah. Um, and the fact that the book that Draimond writes about Wiesler in the end is he takes from the title of the music, uh, right. Sonata for a Good Man. And, and Wiesler fi- identifies himself with that good man because he was. He became yeah. a good man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, with, we t- when we talked about this before, I brought in the Neumann, Eric Neumann uh, book on depth psychology and a new ethic. He yes. differentiates between the old ethic and the new ethic. And it kind of lines up well with this film in terms of the old ethic being a cultural authority that becomes as oppressive and doesn't, and the individual is sublimated for the good of the group. Mm-hmm. And then uh, someone with a new ethic, which is we- what Weasler has in the end, which is he's following his inner voice mm. and um, disregard and separate, separating from the collective in a way that he follows his own right yeah. behavior. Yeah. In the end, that's, be- it's and, just so
2: beautiful. And the, dep- this the, his face is so, um, mm in one way difficult to read in other ways very transparent uh and, and it's it's really interesting because you really see everything that's happening uh, from his face uh, uh, the the um and the struggle that he has i mean he after he finds out about uh the uh the writing of the of the essay and their their plans to uh to uh, send it uh, to, the, to the West to publish the, the West, he, right. he gathers all that and it's going to um, uh, Grubitz' office right. to yes. tell him, right? Yeah. Yes. And then Grubitz starts talking about how they, you know, this, this scientific paper that he read about how they uh, they keep writers, in particular, in jail for ten months or something like that. And they keep him in in seclusion, isolation, isolation yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they lose all desire to write. And as soon as he hears this, he realizes he can't. He's not. He can't tell him. He can't destroy. He, he's this
1: disgusted community. by the pettiness of all yeah. of that. In some yeah. way, I, he's just disgusted. That was beautiful because that showed to me the variability of complexes. You know, he got mm. taken over in that moment by okay, I'm gonna um, you know he had been falsifying records to help drymon be out of love for both of them mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. drymon goes too far and so he said okay i'm going to i'm going to out him Weasler mm-hmm. thinks okay i'm going to expose him to my superior i like to call him grubbits
2: <laughs> grubbits <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's and a good name then, for him
1: yeah and then he changes his mind because he realizes he can't he can't betray his love object, basically Drayman, for these petty BS guys that 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 are that are so full of ego inflation that he's just he's kind of disgusted by them. But you you bring up a wonderful point about his face. This actor is just uh, is just amazing because that scene. Every time I watch it, I just get so moved. At some point. He um, goes, Weasler goes into Dreiman's apartment and steals the book by Bertolt Brecht. And there's a mm. beautiful scene of Weasler. Uh, he's being, you know, he, he, he's, he's on the other side already. He's, he's so identified with, with Dreiman and Krista Marie. And he's on the sofa, laying down, mm. reading the Brecht book. And we hear what he's reading on the voiceover. And it's this gorgeous poem about loss and holding a love object and he and he his face looks completely different it's like he he looks so softened and human whereas before he looked like a robot yeah uh, uh, inhuman yeah yeah and his face just by virtue of that of what he was feeling
2: internally
1: we Mm -hmm. see it on his face you can see it and that's you know it's like how sometimes we can see people and they look so different or we look in the mirror and we can look so different and it's I think it's so dependent on what we're feeling inside.
2: Mm-hmm. That was just a gorgeous scene. Well, and and that's the difference between cinema and and theater because
0: that mm-hmm. he
2: couldn't have done that in the theater, right?
1: right.
2: Yeah, uh, the, the, his face was so so close on I'm screen, sorry. the camera so close, showing his face. Um, what he doesn't uh, amplify uh, in his face then is amplified in us, right? We might even see him smile a little. Uh, and each time I saw the the film over and over again, I'm going, oh, this. And it was very subtle. These changes yes. in his very face. Very subtle. You can that, see what pleased yes. him yes. and what displeased him. Yes. Right? Yes. Very, very subtle. You're right. Yes.
1: The other time he said the use of good and bad is when he um, comes up to, uh, he had had this encounter with Krista Marie in the, in the um, bar and he doesn't know what happens until he gets into the attic the next morning. And he reads the report that the assistant had written. And he turned, he doesn't even turn to the guy. He just reads the report. You know, that he is elated because he had an effect on Krista Marie yeah. and he reads the report and he says just under his breath almost good report and the man is flummoxed because Biesler yeah. has never said any praise yeah. to anybody yeah. and so yeah. again but it's so subtle it's his face is so you're right it, it and and that's I mean for analysts you know when we really try to catch these these bodily oh, um, indications of what's going on inside—we yeah. were trained to try to we try to be trained to, you know, or you know, we try to be aware of those right. bodily shifts in people. Now it's harder on Zoom, right?
2: Right. But
1: yeah. but yeah, that was just gorgeous. His acting.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful to see his transformation. Mm-hmm. Behind that face, mm-hmm. uh, because it's not mm-hmm. too much. And it, you know, mm-hmm. when you see an you see an actor uh, giving too much, giving way too much, or giving <laughs> it it really is distracting, and really, um, I, I think it it has a different effect on the audience.
1: Well, in the theater, um, they call know,
2: that scenery chewing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like and of
1: course that. it can be on the screen too. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think probably a lot of people like that, you know, shoot them up kind of, you know, over yeah. the top hyperbolic, yeah. just crazed outsized um, effects. But for me personally, I don't get off on that. You know, it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the subtle nuances that reverberate in us.
2: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. You
1: know,
2: and, 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 Thinking about that scene where he is, um, so going back to the father image, mm. uh, he, he uh, Weasler is evolving this this archetypal father, right? Because all the fathers are distorted uh, in this film, meaning they're they're uh, dictators. They're really not fathers. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. they're 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 uh, adolescents, uh, yeah. and. So he acts, uh, Weasler in that bar scene, he, he takes action and is trying to father her, <laughs> right? Trying to move her towards uh, doing the right thing, uh, yes. towards um, r- r- helping her to realize herself, her, her, her purpose, her role, her, right. the effect that she has on, on the community, the culture, the art. Uh, the value of art, all in that one scene, and she's inspired she by is. that.
1: She is, and it's, it's actually, he uses the same words that he overheard Dreiman used to her. You, know, mm-hmm. you are a great artist. You, you, yeah. um, you know, t- I, I think that Barstein is amazing. Yes, he is acting like a supportive good father. You know, it, it was like a therapeutic encounter. He mm-hmm. sits opposite her and he points out to her when she's being inauthentic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she, he says to her something like, well, right there, when you said that you're going off to meet a friend, you weren't your true self. You yeah. And, yeah. and so it's like what an analyst does. And, and yeah. um, it mirrors back what he's feeling is in her. And also the, the whole idea of um, he's going to sh- when he's up in the attic and he and he manipulates the wire taps so that you know Dryman can hear the door buzzer and and be exposed yep. to Krista uh, Marie getting out of the limousine with the minister Hemph, who's you know trying to draw her in, into the underworld. He calls it "It's time for bitter truths."
2: Yes, yes, yes.
1: And yes. that's also what a- analysts do. We say yes. things that people don't want to hear. Yes, And so I thought there was just this interesting parallels in these ways with with uh, that role that we take on. I, I, I saw myself in that with what Weasler was doing. I don't I think he was um, I, I, his motivation at that point was uh, I think out of love I would say you right.
2: I, I think you're right about that uh, that his initial well, is he, he had this initial attraction to Draymond uh, when he saw him, uh, perhaps attraction to his life. or att- he's, He recognized his inflation, uh, his arrogance, uh, and then wanted to study him is, is essentially yes. why he volunteered to to do uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, the other thing I was thinking about, if we look um. at, at the archetypes from the Pu'er perspective, if Draymond is... Is is carrying the pure energy, the the innocence. He doesn't want to know what's going on with the stuff. He doesn't want to know uh, all the things that uh, this group are, uh, and and particularly the uh, uh, the the director that commits suicide. Yes. Uh, particularly what he's going through, and uh, he he doesn't he doesn't want to see all this, you know. Right. Right. And but. Weasler knows all this stuff. He, he's carrying all this. He's like the Senex, uh, uh, And the fact that his, he's attracted to rules and regulations, right. right, yeah. uh, Is very uh, Cenex. So it's, it's like the, these, uh, the attraction of opposites here. Um, and that each again is, is changed by the other. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Weasler has changed in a way that he. uh he perhaps didn't expect. Oh, for sure. Right?
1: But the, the beauty of it is that he hates, the. he just despises the guy at first, you know, enemies yes, of the state yeah. are arrogant and artists are arrogant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the love comes so quickly. Yeah, it's yeah. almost instantaneous. I would say that they're alike. I, I, I agree, the cynics and the Puerh are opposite there, the way you're describing. I think they're alike because they both have idealized the state. yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and that's where
1: their disillusionment both of them comes in and so they're they're aligned in that way yeah I they both believe. believe in the socialist state and what there's a lot of meaning in what they're doing both of them even though dryman is surrounded by friends that keep telling him uh wake up here um right. being naive right um I
2: and, think and, yeah but, go ahead. Go ahead. no I was going to add that Drayman or Dryman had a uh, idealized the state, but hated the men. His comment uh, about hemp uh, was that oh, yeah. Yeah. he shouldn't even be, he's not even good enough to address you or something like that in the beginning. Do you remember that where hemp gets oh, to yes. go to the microphone and you at know, the party? Yeah. At the celebration at the party. party. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he hates the men, but he does idealize the state. Mm-hmm. And, and and ignores the ramifications of the dictatorship that's going on.
1: Right, right, yeah. Um, I had a thought too about the the, the kind of um wordplay on the the title of the film, mm-hmm. "Lives of Others." Did you think of all that about that? I, I it made me think of um not just the outer others but the inner others. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, just the phrase, the lives of others to me uh, carries with it some, I, I thought of Jung's idea of how the parts of us internally have an autonomy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, synchronistically.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I had uh, to my side, my presentation from this weekend, and there's mm. one slide that I included in there Um about the transcendent function. This is Jung speaking to the other in just the way you're describing it. So I'm gonna read it, uh, just this this quote. Um, It was in the essay on the transcendent function. Uh, The present day shows with appalling, appalling clarity how little able people are to let the other man's argument count. Although this capacity is a fundamental indispensable condition for any human community. Everyone who proposes to come to terms with himself must reckon with this basic problem for to the degree that he does not admit the validity of the other person. He denies the other within himself the right to exist and vice versa. The capacity for inner dialogue is a touchstone for outer objectivity. Mm. He, yeah. he, he's speaking yeah. to this otherness, as you said. It's not just out the other out there, but it's the other within me. Mm-hmm. And that if I, uh, if I objectify or if I uh, project shadow onto the other there, I'm not owning the right. other in me. Right. It's got huge,
1: yeah, that's great, Dan. It's got huge ramifications now, right, for the mm, state of the country. It really does. Polarization really does. that mm. that we're all going through. I remember I was at a conference once. It was, this was when, uh, uh, this was, I think, right before the Iraqi war, um, mm-hmm. after 9-11. And this uh, presenter wanted all the attendees to try to connect with their inner Bush, their inner President Bush, and nobody could do it. I mean, Bush was, you know, as president after 9-11, he was hated. Um, And so nobody could go there into that shadow realm. And that's really, that's what Jung is saying. That's what we need to do Mm
2: -hmm. to heal these splits. Yes, absolutely.
1: I thought that, um, yeah, go ahead. So just
2: to to punctuate that, that the title to me is very relevant. Um, I was thinking, is this a film that could be done in America? This is... This is a German film that, with a great deal—not just history, but Mm -hmm. a great deal um, of—oh, what's the word? Uh, Rootedness Mm -hmm. um, and 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 oldness (laughs) to it. Mm. Where I don't know if this film could be done in America in quite the same way, right? It's—it's just this feel that, um, you know, this idea that. Well, let's take uh, Hitchcock for example. We uh-huh. we thought when we presented uh, on Rear Window, we uh-huh. were thinking of the theme of uh, the voyeurism, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the, yes, there's there's a similar theme of voyeurism, but this is a completely different film. This is a this is about a man whose voyeurism really led to transformation, right? Um, and in rear window we, we don't see any transformation we don't see any change we don't see no. the same depth
1: no uh, right
2: the mm-hmm. character that we see mm-hmm. in this film mm-hmm. does, does that make sense
1: it does but I, you're saying it's 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 predicated on the nationality the where it's taking place i don't i don't know i i, I don't I well
2: don't know. They, you know it's europe <laughs> europe is yeah. older uh, yeah, something about America's uh, youth still, um, uh. I think,
1: uh-huh.
2: comes through in some films, uh, in foreign films. Sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, certainly, um, I think we were saying earlier when we met that that, that the voyeurism has a completely different effect. And I mm. think that that that. Um, Instead of being in the service of defensiveness, like for uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart's character in Rear Window, and and just um, what else, the defensiveness, distraction, you know. From, right,
2: right, right, right. Um,
1: this is all about stimulating the what what it is all about transformation and stimulating the imagination. He imagined himself part of this couple, or mm-hmm. and. I want to read a quote about the imagination that I found that I think is beautiful. This is from an article on the anima animus, and he's arguing for the power, which of course, Jung Jung psychology has been called the psychology of the imagination. Mm. Um, and so he's talking about the power of imagination and its role in transformational processes, you know, like active imagination. So this is by a man named Zinkin. But uh, in, in a book called Gender and Soul in Psychotherapy, the human being is above all not only a social, but an imaginative being. And despite our seemingly infinite capacity to redefine ourselves, it is through our imagination, our ability to imagine what it is like to be the other, and to be, this is mirrors what you just said about the transcendent function, our ability to imagine what it is like to be the other and to be part of the relationship with the other, that mm. we attain a sense of being more than we are mm. in this way, our very limitations are also our strengths.
2: Mm.
1: Woo. I mean, it actually wow. contribute. you know, if we allow ourselves to imagine another life, yeah. Um, if we're drawn to it, or even if we, you know, um, if we're not, and this brings up a quote by Jung that I want to bring in here, mm-hmm. it, it, it fuels more of who we become. Mm-hmm. And that mirrors Jung's phenomenal first line in his volume 14, Mysterium, where he says, um, let me get it exactly, because it's really an important quote. Well, but you know, the quote, the factors that come together in the community, in the union, are conceived of as opposites, either confronting one another in enmity, in Mm. hatred, or attracting one another in love.
2: Yeah. I mean, do we have to
1: continue? I mean, is there any more to be said? (laughs) (laughs) But no, this, but that was so in the film, we see the enmity initially, and then it almost immediately gets transformed into love. Yes. Absolutely, and, and then and and, yeah. and
2: then you see the transformation that takes place. You see the change in yeah, yeah. In the personality. Yeah, yeah. That's a great quote.
1: And it and it and it stimulates the viewer. Mm-hmm. I googled. I don't know where I what I was googling, but um, I must have been googling lives of others. Jungian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, you know, you never know what's out there. <laughs> you
2: never know what's out there.
1: I need all the help I can get. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, but what came up was these political statements. People have used this film, politicians, to talk about what needs to happen. Like uh, Fra- France's president, Macron, or no, it was maybe a president before current president. But they referenced this film because that's mm. the power of this film. Uh, in terms of the, its work on the viewer yeah And well, she- I, I'm
2: hoping this podcast it, it gets people interested in, in viewing it if they haven't seen it yeah, um, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if it's available on Netflix I know it's available on prime mm. uh, just for for the viewers mm-hmm. um, And mm. again it, you know, uh, well I think they're they're learning that they can uh, if they want to see the film, before they listen to the podcast, they can do mm-hmm. that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 What about the red thumbprint at the end?
2: Isn't that beautiful?
1: Clo- close to the end, right? Where Dryman realizes. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. In one image, he realizes. Yes,
1: yes right.
2: Who this A-W- HW.
1: Yes, HGG. Or, H-G-W. No, what it'd H-W. Be? HGW. Whatever the initials are. Right, then, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: asked and asked who that, who that was. He realizes all it was because he was trying to figure out because he thought that she got rid of the, but she couldn't figure out from the timing as he was putting together how she could do that. And and it was, was, as he was piecing things together, he's realizing she couldn't. So when he saw the red fingerprint, he realized, oh, it was this guy. (laughs) <laughs> whoever yes. that yes. was
1: yes whoever that was and of course he finds out who it is and
2: yeah it's so interesting that these two characters that affected each other so deeply only one knew the other <laughs> right up till the China yeah, didn't oh, yeah, know right. we right you know no. and he had very little interaction with him, right right
1: yeah well there's the there's the maybe that's the imagination piece uh i don't know how that that fits but yeah it, until the until the end or close to the end he finds out who it is and and you know it got me associating with red as a call as a, a socialist flag you know the red mm-hmm. communist yeah. red and also mm-hmm. red alchemically um in terms of the final stage of transformation it's
2: right so, the rubedo. rubedo
1: rubedo yeah yeah
2: that's a good point the the Roberto's red bloodedness, the full, the full, the completion of the personality. Um, that's a good image. I also thought is uh, uh, eros and passion. Mm, yeah, um, it's yeah. Uh, you know I, I pulled from uh, the dark eros Thomas Moore's book. Mm. Uh, he's quoting Hillman. Um, mm. He says that uh, eros leads to soul. uh uh-huh. heroes that leads us to uh-huh. soul uh-huh.
1: which is uh uh-huh.
2: which fits his film beautifully yes
1: yes and the fact that this that thumbprints are unique mm. you
2: know
1: that that it could be nobody else but we yeah. that dryman finds him and then finds him and then writes this novel about him and he gets the novel the last scene yeah. where he he notices the poster on a book store and he goes in and the store clerk says is this a gift and he gets to say no it's
2: for me yeah oh. yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, he, and he's got their face right because- that real, real subtle smile on his face yeah i mean yeah, that's how that's, that's how he's
1: showing elation but yeah. we can fill in the you know <laughs> fill in the, yeah, 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 yeah. all the feeling that he's yeah. feeling internally
2: right? yeah yeah and it allows us to feel Oh, mm. uh, because he, yeah. His, yeah. he, he provides us with that space for that. Yes. You know, the other scene of yes. uh, just, uh, when he's down in the dungeon with the letters that he's, uh, opening uh. up with, with steam, uh-huh. he was relegated to because he was being punished.
1: Right. Um,
2: when the other guy finds out that the wall came wall- down,
1: mm-hmm. yes.
2: uh, and and after that, Weasler stands up and leaves. Just <laughs> loves and, out, and everybody everybody gets up and follows him. Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's yes. an image yes. of uh, of leadership, right? He is, it is. Um, it he is. Is himself, and uh, and people are following him.
1: Yes, yes. And did you know the guy on the, yeah. the headphones was the guy that and, made the joke?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, yes.
1: with yeah. With Yeah, Yeah. He really was demoted and put in the he basement. He was
2: demoted, yeah.
1: Uh, well, huh? But, you know, yeah, the Drymon is transformed because there's that great line you mentioned with one of the last scenes where he's, Drymon um, uh, confronts Minister Hemph and it, after the wall comes down in the theater where they're restaging his play and Dryman says to him, to think that people like you once ruled a country. Oh, yeah.
2: I'm glad you, know, you mentioned that. I forgot about that.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like scenes we, we want to see where, you know, things we, scenes we we'd like to see, you know, the final, um, kind of confrontation, you know, between these two men. You
2: know, that, well, and, and yet, you know, I, when we talked about, it, I was thinking of the, um, you know, uh, Luigi Zoha's book on the father, the archetype mm-hmm. of the father, the history of the father. And he divides up uh, the, the father archetype in this, um, the biological, what he calls the biological mm-hmm. father, uh, that, you know, harkens back to the horde, right? This, you mm-hmm. know, he, the, he doesn't know his, his offspring. He's there just to beat everybody, to be the alpha to, you know, until he's taken over and usurped, and then impregnate the, the females. Um, mm-hmm. And then how that that uh, male uh, figure evolved into father becomes very, very important. He says, but the biological mm-hmm. father is still there in the collective unconscious, it still captivates us or still gets us in complex. And that's the regime we see the Stasi is just uh, this biological masculine uh, alpha, get to the top, uh, you know, and, and claim the, the, you know, any woman that they desire. And mm-hmm. in contrast with the uh, spiritual father uh, in, mm-hmm. in those two characters right at the end, mm-hmm. uh, that those are archetypal, right. and mm-hmm. as the, uh, spiritual image of the, of the father and the biological father in hemp hmm mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah 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 I I, I agree that that's that yeah I, I was as you were talking I was thinking more in terms of anima animus because the first level of development is the biological so for the animus it would be uh, images of power for women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's no feminine in that in that um Uh, the way you're talking about the father, I mentioned the biological and the state. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first level of, of anima development is Mm -hmm. that there's, this is a biological level Eve of, of the great mother and the terrible mother. And Mm -hmm. so, um, but there's Mm -hmm. no, there's the feminine between these two men that meet, but, but but there's, they're very different how they're relating to the feminine.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, And, and, and the,
2: yeah, one is about uh, claiming, uh, and the other is about um, uh, discovering. Um, hmm. the, the, yeah, the, the hemp is just about claiming what he wants. What it, exploiting options, and using. So exploiting, using, objectifying. Yeah. Uh, for his own then, power,
1: right? For his own for
2: power. For his own power, to meet his own needs. His
1: own pleasure, yeah, to meet his own needs. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we could end if you, uh, on that great quote of Jung's, which you also know, let me find it. Um, where love rules, there is no will to power. Where Mm. power predominates, their love is lacking. The one is shadow of the other. And I I think we see this beautifully in the film in terms of like, the way you're talking about eros and dark eros. Um, and, um, and love that comes to Weisler, and um, love of himself, even you know, love, love of the of other, himself, yeah. love of and, and the kind of an anima mundi, soul of the world connection.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great quote. Yeah. Uh, the opposite. The opposite of love is is really power. It's power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow.
1: Hmm.
2: Okay. We are. Uh, have we, we said? Are good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just. I, so,
2: anything left over that you
1: have? Um, just that I love that scene when um he when Drymon says, "Don't go." She's about to meet him for the because she mm-hmm. feels forced, and she makes up the story that she's going to meet a classmate, and he says, "I know where you're going." And yeah. don't go, please don't go. And you don't need, he says to her, you don't need him. And she says to him, like, like an a good analyst. I don't, you know, I, I, you yeah. need that. You need him to get,
2: yeah.
1: look at the reality here. We're yeah. both in bed with the state together. Yeah. yeah. And um, that is just a very, very powerful. She's like a Cassandra. She's, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, well, she's she's not prophesizing, but she's naming something that he's not seeing. Yes. That she's seeing because she's been the one that's been raped, you know. Um, And so she really gets it and brings that knowledge to him Mm -hmm. so that he can understand him, his own reality that he's turned a blind eye to. You know, Dan, I was reminded of, um, Remember, we talked way back about your ideas about obedience and compliance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Remember that? Yeah. that, that I yeah. thought of that, that, um, that I think you were saying that they're very different
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that compliance has some kind of um, I, 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 uh, that obedience is like we say blind obedience,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: whereas compliance is more um, maybe there's a choice there or uh, do you remember we talked about that? Yeah.
2: I, I think I was comparing compliance with container containment. Oh,
1: okay. And
2: okay. what I was um, realizing was the desire for parents, you know, because I have a lot of grandchildren. So this <laughs> this ubiquitous <laughs> desire to make their children compliant um, oh. is, is not containment it's okay it doesn't allow for the the child's personality to emerge and i was seeing that in my analysis my analytic mm, work mm. that um that in their childhood uh, for example the expectation of compliance and mm-hmm. i think compliance and obedience are, are, are commensurate in the way mm. i'm using it okay um that it it it's, it has a destructive destruction to the self to the developing mm-hmm. personality mm-hmm. Um, because the child is just be being a compliant to um, to not be ca- cast into oblivion to to not be abandoned to mm-hmm. it's
1: adapting need to adapt
2: well and it's a good it's a good analogy to the film in her relationship mm-hmm. to the state that she. Mm-hmm. Thinks mm-hmm. she needs to be compliant
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and giving herself uh, sexually to this,
1: mm-hmm. this mm-hmm.
2: animal, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, but compliance does not uh, allow the her personality to emerge, and then her personality could emerge, and she can be herself in a relationship with Dryman, but yes, but not in the other. It's a it's a real contrast. Right. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. well I hope um, folks will see the film it's well worth it. I I, yeah
2: please everybody uh, uh see the film um <laughs> and I hope uh, we've given you something to yeah you can use
1: something to chew on here and
2: something to chew on <laughs> Thank you Judith uh, uh as thanks, always Dan. it's it's wonderful it's exciting it's uh, I, I learn something new every time we talk about Me too. Even if we've already (laughs) talked about it. Really? really Yeah. There's always more. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. We'll talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: This podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Share it all you like, as long as you maintain the attribution to the speaker, but please do not change it or sell it. If you like this episode, tell your friends about us or leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about classes, training programs, videos, audio, this podcast, or to find a Jungian analyst near you, visit our website, www.jungchicago.org. Thank you to our 2020 donors who gave at the contributing member level and above. Barbara Anan, Usha and Ashok Beatty, Jackie Cabe, Brian, Eric Cooper and Judith Cooper, Kevin Davis, George J Didier, Mary Doherty, James Fidelibus, John Koroluski, Marty Manning, Diane Sherwood, Deborah P Stutzman, Deborah Tobin, Alexander Wayne and Lynn Kopp, Gerald Weiner, Karen West and James Taylor, and Ellen Young. If you would like to join our generous community of supporters, just go to youngchicago.org/give